This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good morning, and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland, here with the goddess of the garden, Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? (laughs) Thank you, Dean. I'm very, very well. It's a gorgeous day here Mm -hmm. in Prince Edward County, looking out my office window, the little breeze, blue sky, birds all over the place. Yeah, it is, and and very lovely up here in Collingwood as well, in southern Georgian Bay. Although, about a half hour ago, I thought it looked like it might maybe rain a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, we could, uh, we don't have rain in the forecast for days and days, but we did get one or two good rainfalls in the last two weeks. So my lawn is green right now. And that's, that's always a plus. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. And what has been going on in your garden? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I do want to say a couple things. One is your grandmother's lemon lavender scone recipe has been just flying off the shelves. (laughs) I have, I've had a number of emails from people asking for that, that recipe. So just a reminder for anybody who wants a copy of, of Dean's grandmother's recipe, just send me a quick email, c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Um, I do have a special guest. We have a special guest. I'm going to introduce you to Terry Kennedy uh, in about 20 minutes or so. She's an orchid expert. She's a specialist in all things orchid, and it's it's pretty cute. Her and her husband started as collectors and growers and got very involved with the Southern Ontario Orchid Society. But uh, they became such collectors that they actually had to move. (laughs) They had too many orchids. They weren't fitting into their house anymore. So they actually moved. And and so they, they have a business and it is called... I, part their their little tagline is our hobby gone wild, so their their company is called Orchids in Our Tropics. Our hobby's gone wild. It's it's great, and Terry's wonderful. So she'll be joining us to give us some updates on what's going on with the Southern Ontario Orchid Society later in the in the show. Excellent. Um, uh, why don't you do the numbers? And yeah, I, will do that, I, I had some homework from last week. So at some point, I'll, I'll update everybody on what I learned about pruning sweet cherry trees. Gotcha. Okay. So we would love for you to call us with any gardening questions. And that can be indoor gardening or outdoor gardening for sure. And the numbers to call anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free call. one 866 740-4740. And of course, let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller, and we will give you your garden wings. We oh, got them already. Yeah. Got the chimes. It I do, like. <laughs> yeah, as, as you wished. You enjoyed those, so we got them. And please nice. call often, call early, and one question per call. Please, please, please. Okay. And I can see that the lines are already starting to light up, which is great for those early callers. And did you have another announcement that you wanted to give us? Well, I was just going to ask you um, or tell you, but also share with you what I've been harvesting out of my garden. Have you, did you, were you ever able to plant those tomatoes? Are you, are you at a yeah, point yeah, yeah. to yeah, harvest anything? 
not harvesting yet, but I have to admit that I do have to run out today and get. Uh, is it the collars? I've I've called them cages before, but that's wrong. Oh yeah, no, a tomato cage. You mean oh, tomato cage? Yeah, yeah I have yeah, to get yeah. a few of those because some of them are leaning over a little bit, but they're they're getting hefty for sure. Nice, good stuff. Yeah, I've got uh, I got lots and lots of green tomatoes. We have been taking some of the little cherry tomatoes off the vine because they are the earliest to be able to harvest. So nothing like you know sun kissed. Uh, produce out of the garden. Um, lots of beans. I got lots of beans. The peas are done. It's too hot for peas now. They've all turned yellow. But yeah, thinning the carrots. We were able to eat a bunch of baby carrots even. So uh, yeah, it's a wonderful mm-hmm. time of year. Just the lots of the great fresh stuff happening. I'm sure some of our callers will want to share what they're harvesting as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, we have to take our first break, but we will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back with more on The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, and uh, here with Charlie Dobbin, and those lines are lighting up. I'm going to give the number out again, 416-360-0740. Toll-free anywhere other than Toronto is 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to our first caller. Uh, We're going to a first-time caller. This is Eric in North York. Welcome to The Garden Show, Eric. Morning. How are you guys? I'm well. I'm going to give you a garden wing, sir. Well, Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Charlie. Um, uh, my question is uh, regarding creeping Charlie. No pun intended, of course. <laughs> but I've co- it's covering about 60% of my backyard, and I'm just wondering if there's any, uh, what is the best way to, to try and get rid of it? Can you pull it by hand? Or a, I've heard of a dethatching rake or perhaps a thatching tool you attach to your uh, lawnmower, or or basically, do you have to resod the whole uh, the whole backyard? That's my question. Okay, yeah, good question, and not the first time we've heard it. I mean, there's a number of creeping green uh, lawn invasive plants that are referred to as creeping Charlie. I don't know why, but they are. So it's hard to know exactly what you've got growing there, but. Honestly, based on my experience of anything creeping into my lawn, you have very few options. Option one is to pull, but that means pulling with roots attached. Option two is solarizing. So, you know, tarpaulin and just kill everything, start again, which would be reseeding or sodding, as you mentioned. There are You can try, I mean, we talk about horticultural vinegar on the show quite a bit when people are just overwhelmed by growth that they can't deal with. So, of course, horticultural vinegar is a non-selective herbicide. It kills everything. So it can be used early in the season. It won't work so well now, but certainly in the spring to kill young weeds. But again, it will also kill your lawn where you spray it. So it's a challenge. Um, If you were to resod. You'd, you can't just saw it over top of the weeds. You would have to remove them anyway. Uh, so it sounds to me like, I guess depending on the size of your lawn, it might just be one of those, ha- have a party, invite all your friends and neighbors over, over, give everybody a big screwdriver and a glass of wine and something to sit on and put them down into the lawn and get going. Well, I've been trying that. And my, I guess my question is, is 
if you pull it out, you know, mm-hmm. one out of every 10, you get the roots and the rest, you just get the sort of flowers oh. that come well, on, Yeah, on top. you, you that, need the that, roots. They're going to grow back without a, the roots. Oh, sorry, with the roots. Now, they won't – the thing that's that kind of works eventually, like we do this with dandelions quite often where we're mm. pulling them, but we don't get the whole root, and it will grow back. But the more you break off the top green growth, the root will eventually shrivel up and die. Oh, but okay. that well, that's good. On, yeah, so it, but it's still ongoing. Like every time it pokes a little bit of green out, you got to be right there with your tool to to remove that and as much root as you can. And honestly, depending on how softer or tough it is to get into your lawn, a really compacted lawn is hard to get into. But um, if it's a soft enough lawn and it's moist enough, there are some good tools out there. And like I said, a good screwdriver is often the best because they don't bend the way so many of the uh, the other tools do that we pick up at Home Depot, et cetera. Have you heard of a dethatching rake? Yes. It will remove thatch. Or is the hand method the best? Well, a dethatching rake will not remove weeds. It will only remove thatch. And thatch is just Ah. that dead layer of a built-up grass clippings that sits on the surface of the soil and stops moisture and fertilizer from getting down to the soil. So dethatching can be really a helpful sort of form of cultivation Mm -hmm. of our lawns if we have a lot of thatch, but it will not do anything for your weeds. Okay. Well, thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for calling. I wish I had better better advice. That gives me a good direction. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. You know what? Let's jump to, uh, we have another first time caller here. I think we can squeeze them in before our next break. Let's go to Judy in Oakville. Welcome to the Garden Show, Judy. Hi. Thank you very much. I I would love to give you your garden wings, my dear. Here you go. Oh, I feel like Tinkerbell. Uh, Welcome to the show. Hi, Charlie. I know you covered this topic last spring, and I did not write the details. I wonder if you could please, again, tell us how to successfully overwinter amaryllis so they will bloom next year. Uh, right. I'm assuming you've got some amaryllis in your possession right now yeah, from last winter. Yeah, out in the shade all summer and lovely green leaves on them. Perfect. So leave them where you've got them. And of course, they're in pots still. Yeah. You didn't put them in the ground, I that's assume. That's right. Good. Yeah. And that's the way to do it. You basically do exactly what you've done. Okay. Outside all summer, shade or a little bit of dappled sunshade uh, outside in the pot, uh, water as necessary, even fertilized on occasion. Lovely green leaves is what you want because what's happening right now is those green leaves are helping the bulb that's in the pot to fatten up. So you're going to have even more bigger and better flowers this Christmas than you did last Christmas. Oh, good. The, so the thing you have to do, though, is you will have to bring it indoors before frost. Right. Uh, I often leave mine out so it gets a little bit of coolness. It might be, uh, you know, cool September night kind of coolness. And then I will bring my amaryllis pots into the house. At that point, they go in the basement into a dark corner and they, I stop watering them. So no more water. And, and you know, it's not going to kill them to get light, but it's always better. Put them into the dark. And if your basement is cool, that's fine too. They just go, they go to sleep. They go dormant. All those green leaves turn yellow. And, you know, you visit them every week or so, take away all the yellow leaves. Eventually, eight or 10 or 12 weeks later, flower stems will start to grow in the dark out of those pots. And then it's time to bring them upstairs into the light, into the living room and enjoy them. 
and you repot them into fresh soil, or do you just leave that? No, leave leave them alone. At some point, you're going to need a bigger pot, but it ta- it takes years, five six years before we were that worry about a bigger pot. Amaryllis like to be pot bound. They oh, want to be in a pot where it, it's tight. Oh, that is just wonderful. Okay, well, okay. I'm going to be successful okay. this Thank year. Thank you very much Thank for you. the question there, Judy. Appreciate that, yeah. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Oh, you're Thanks welcome, for- yeah. Have to take our next break, but we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show. Dean and Charlie, and uh, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740. That's the Toronto number or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. Toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We're going to go to uh, Cambridge now. We've got Dan on the line. Uh, Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show, Dan. Morning there, Dan. What do you got for Charlie, my friend? Oh, I think we might have a bad line. Okay, yeah, so we will go to, uh, we'll go to Richard then. We'll go to Richard in South York. Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show, Richard. Good morning. morning. I've been picking my green beans, and there's so many that I miss. Is there a certain way? Uh, I was just thinking about cutting them all off and picking what I have or starting a second crop. Oh, Potentially, you could do that, um, but if, I mean, you're right. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a Zen thing. I think you have to have a little gathering basket of one kind or another. And when you look where the flowers were, and then the beans start to grow, there might be five or six beans, but only three or four of them are are ready to pick. The other two or three are a bit small. You can just you're right, pick the whole cluster, have some small and some bigger in your in your picking, or come back in a couple of days and finish picking those ones. The thing that's cool about beans is they will keep blooming and producing fruit if you continue to pick them. If you stop picking them, they'll stop flowering and then that'll your your crop will be done. Could you replant? Is there time? Um, maybe, maybe. Beans do take about, what, 40-odd days before they produce. So we are at the end of July, and well, was, um, you may not get a lot of beans if you were to try to replant now. I was looking at bok choy, which is, you know, Chinese, um, or um, dekan radish, as opposed oh, to beans. Both are fast, yeah. Yeah. For sure, you could pl- plant those now. Yeah, it, uh, I guess I don't have my back hurting more than my zen. Say that again. Sorry, your <laughs> back, back hurts more than your zen. It's hurting more than my zen. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, yeah and just yeah, take, if you, taking them out and redoing the whole thing. Oh, all right. Well, and and you know what? This is why we keep garden journals. This is why we write stuff down so that next spring you refer back to what you were feeling this summer and go, oh, yeah, okay, I'm not going to plant that this year. This year I'm going to concentrate on this. Because you're right. I mean, every year is different and our experience and in our gardens is different. So the more we can 
uh, journal or, 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 you know, have an archive of what worked and what didn't work every year, the better off I find every garden is because the weather's going to be different next year. Your feelings are going to be different. You know, all kinds of things are going to happen. But, um, but I, I do grow beans in a raised garden bed. So if you don't have to be down on your hands and knees to do the, the picking, it's something you can just sit on the edge of the bed and sit there with your bowl and pick. And it's, uh, it's great. We love them. And, We've got, you know, we're sharing them with the neighbors. We've got so many. And I only planted maybe 10 plants. So we're not talking oh. like, you know, hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Mine, mine is really crowded. And uh, when do you plant garlic? In Not yet. Uh, and in Ontario, we plant garlic at the end of October. So well, we, we'll talk about that more as we get closer to it. Thanks for your call, okay. though, Richard. Yeah, thanks for the call, though, Richard. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we're we're going to go uh, right to Evelyn in Toronto. Uh, good morning, Evelyn, and welcome to the Garden Show. Morning. I look forward to this Saturday morning. Um, I just have a quick question about uh, our backyard, which is south a south facing garden bed, which abuts against a chain link fence um, and a wooden fence um, from the uh, complex behind us. Uh, so this year I tried to put in, I put in a couple cedars, put in a couple clematis, some did not take. And I was thinking, um, if I'm going to replant, is there something that would, like a climbing plant, I don't know whether a climbing hydrangea, um, what would be a good suggestion for that, that back garden? It's quite dry. Mm. So your house faces south or the fences face south? So the house faces south. This is where okay. yeah. I were having a discussion. Would you call that a south-facing garden at the back? Yeah, I would. No, I just wanted to be clear on that. So you said you've got both wood and chain link, chain link. fence. Yeah. And so um, on our side. <clears throat> right. So the chain link is obviously where you're thinking to grow something up and sun will right. come through the chain link. Or is it along the wooden fence you're looking to grow a vine? Um, it was along the chain link, but what we did because of the clematis, we put up a couple of trellises, mm -hmm. so wooden trellises. Nice. So, I mean, I love climbing hydrangea, but it does need something really solid to hold on to. It grows best on – I mean – it grows very, very well on a on a wood trellis or any kind of a trellis if you've got that. I climbing hydrangea I don't think would ever grow well on chain link. It doesn't twirl. It's not like clematis where right. clematis has the the um <clears throat> the little twirly things. Uh, there's a name right. for that that right. <laughs> that are um, we, that hold we on. We are we are going to sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. We are going to use the trellis for sure because mm -hmm. I have them. I bought them. Yeah. Yeah, and climbing hydrangea is lovely, uh, and it doesn't need full sun, which, of course, it will not get because it'll be facing north, so that right. can work. Um, we can all, You could also grow something like honeysuckle, which is always lovely, on a fence yeah. where it gets half-day sun, half-day shade. Uh, and honeysuckle, of course, particularly the red-blooming honeysuckle is a great uh, for attracting hummingbirds. Hydrangea yeah. wants moisture. You mentioned it was a dry it's location. Dry. So I. I would probably not choose hyd climbing hydrangea as my first choice. I'd okay. stick with something more like like honeysuckle. Uh, silver lace vine is a lovely plant that grows just about anywhere and grows very vigorous. Beautiful white flowers in uh, August and September. 
Okay. Uh, so I'd probably choose either of those. Clematis could be great, but you have to be patient. Clematis is not a plant today and have it 10 feet tall tomorrow. You have to give it really? three or four years to get established. Yeah, am I too old for that? No, really. Yeah. and silver lace, the faster growing? Oh, absolutely, yes. Okay, great. Silver and just the last thing about silver lace. They mentioned that it's invasive, is it? Or? <laughs> well, that's the funny thing, right? One person's invasive is another person's vigorous. Um, yeah, it grows yeah. fast. I, at the back yeah. of your property on a fence, I, who, where's it going to invade, right? It's, right. It, you know, it'll give you the privacy you want and it'll grow quickly. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be all over the neighborhood in, in a year or so. It's just going to fill and cover that fence quickly. That's oh, all. That's great. And so you don't have a preference of the honeysuckle or the silver lace either, or is that right? I think it just depends which silver lace will grow more quickly than honeysuckle and give you more privacy than honeysuckle. Oh, okay. Uh, but honeysuckle is, like I say, great for attraction. Uh, pollinators and birds so either way yeah. great thank yeah. you so so much thank for the you. call evelyn yeah and all the yeah. best with, uh, with that okay uh, charlie i do believe we have our special guest on the line uh, would you Lovely. do the honors for yeah. sure good morning terry are you there yes i'm here good morning good morning charlie how are you i'd like oh. you to meet dean dean holland terry kennedy hey Hi, terry dean. how are you great how are you I'm I'm well, except I'm, I got to tell you, I have an orchid upstairs that probably needs your help. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was well, telling. Well, there's always something talk about, uh, to talk about when we're talking orchids. No kidding. Well, I was telling Dean about how you and your husband are such avid orchid people. You had to move into a bigger house. That's <laughs> with well, the greenhouse. Well, the house, it wasn't that we needed the bigger house. We needed the space for our plants so we could put up right. a big greenhouse. But we exactly. did that. That's what happened. It was either, you know, uh, dome in the backyard or move north, and we moved north. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, well, you're here to make an announcement about what's what's going on with the Southern Ontario Orchid Society. Oh yes, um, the Southern Ontario Orchid Society people, uh, of course, are very avid orchid growers, and there's a lot of people who, um, you know, are really missing. You know the shows that that usually happen. From you know, it's, each society has a show every year, and the Southern Ontario Orchid Society has a a big. February show around Valentine's, and uh, we haven't had one since 2020. That was actually, I think, the last show, orchid show in Canada um, mm -hmm. that occurred. So anyways, uh, we're hoping to have one in February, but as a uh, sort of a, a prelude to this, the Southern Ontario Orchid Society is having a big or uh, orchid sale day on August 7th at the Toronto Botanical Garden. So we're going to have, there's not going to be a show as such as a display of plants, uh, but there will be, uh, I think there's 10 mem uh, vendors coming to set up their, their plants. So there will be an opportunity for, for all the orcaholics that are in, in, you know, sort of in withdrawal for them to um, <laughs> get some orchid fixes. Because there will right. be lots of plants um, for sale, and if you want to talk to somebody, um this is repotting time for, for orchids. There would be somebody there with all the supplies that are needed, the pots, the, the, uh, the bark, the sphagnum, all that kind of stuff. So we're trying to celebrate orchids um, on a one-day thing instead of having the two-day show that we usually have. So this is something that we're just trying out, but it should be a really great day. 
and it's free to the public, which is even better. Yeah, wide open, unlike the big orchid show where you had to actually pay admission to get in. Yes. Uh, this one, we're, we're, we're just trying to tell people that, yeah, we're still around and, and we really want you to enjoy our orchids. So we're inviting everybody in to, to, to buy their orchids. But that, what I love about getting all these orcaholics together is all the expertise. I mean, anybody with any question about anything to do with orchids can roll into the Toronto Botanical Gardens and grab one of you crazy orchid people and get so much information. It's just wonderful. It's, it's the best thing. And like you said, transplanting, special pots, special media, special, you know, don't cut off the roots. Like, you know, certain, you know, people need that information, right? Well, yes. And you know that, um, like all gardeners uh, or all plant people, they, uh, orchid people love to share the, uh, share their knowledge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Terry, I was wondering if, uh, for me, as an entry-level orchid person, would that be a, a good place for me to come and grab an orchid, or should I wait till February? Oh no no no! There'll be a, there'll be something there for uh, for everybody. Now uh, we have our own company, my husband and I, orchids in our tropics. We specialize in the sort of um, non-beginner orchids, what we'll call them. Uh, the when people start getting into it and they want something special uh, or something different, they come to us. But there's vendors who will have plants and flower um, uh, that are great for starter plants, and even. The thing is, is that you need to talk to the vendor and say, you know, how hard it is, is it this to grow? And usually the question you get, well, what are you growing now? So if you get something that, that grows along with what you already have in your home, it really uh, uh, propane, you know, you get success. And once you succeed, once you bloom an orchid, uh, you're addicted. There's no going back. <laughs> I can only imagine. But that's true what Terry's saying because I – one year I was at the Orchid Show because it was always right around Valentine's Day and Terry would always invite Frank and I. So, Dean, maybe Terry will invite us this, this February. But I, I spoke that. to Terry and I said, I've got this – I want an orchid, but it's a really sunny window that I want to put it in. And everybody, you know, it's all about the moth orchids or the Phalaenopsis uh, orchids. And mm -hmm. she's like, okay, here, this is for a sunny window. This is what you should get. And – I still have the orchid that, that Terry sold me. It's a, it's a very, very fragrant when it blooms. It's like the whole house is just filled with this cherry, it's like the cherry, cherry bubblegum. You know, you know, the sad thing is that they're not um, producing that anymore, and they're almost oh. impossible to get. So you have something that's very, very special, and uh, keep taking care of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm not a very good orchid person and i don't water as much as i should so it it does look like it's struggled a bit sometimes for water the leaves are all crinkly because it's sometimes goes too long without water but otherwise it's in perfect condition so if you ever want to take some cuttings and and get some back if you need any stock i'm sure i can help you it's quite a big plant <laughs> yeah well and the thing is that it will bloom more than once a year and as you say the chocolate uh, they, they have actually done breeding so they've gone to the next generation and the the Cherry baby is, gets to be quite a big plant, but now they've uh, crossed that back onto things that are still fragrant but uh, are smaller growing, so, you, so it's, they're a little bit more manage, manageable for people in the house. But there's nothing like a huge spray of uh, Cherry oh, Baby yeah. uh, sweet fragrance. There's, oh, there's nothing no to compare to that. 
I love fragrant orchids. I love fragrant yeah. plants in general. Well, now, Terry, you would you, I, well, the phalaenopsis is what I have upstairs. Is that that's the one that we typically see in the in the grocery stores and such? Is that correct? Yes, it it is. And the reason that that that, uh, that they that you see it is because the flowers last for such a long time, and they are very resilient. And the thing is that uh, because they last a long time, people enjoy them, and then they're fairly easy to rebloom. Um, so they, once people, um, start reblooming them, they think, well, I'm an orchid expert now. I can grow other stuff. So they start looking for all the things that you normally see at an orchid show that are, you know, sort of very different. Um, as you may or may not know, there's like 30,000 different species in the wild of orchids. It's the biggest plant family on the earth. And then you get into the hybrids, and there's hundreds of thousands of hybrids. So you can actually collect one a day for the rest of your life, and you still won't have them all. Wow. Well, okay, so Terry, can you try and settle a debate that just is ongoing on the garden show? And that is, tell me what you think about the uh, method of watering orchids with ice cubes. Oh, you don't see my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, these are tropical plants. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, what would you feel like if somebody put ice cubes on your toes every week? No, not. I wouldn't like it at all. Well, that's what the what the what the uh, um, orchids feel too. And I know that some people succeed, but there's there's nuances. But if you put uh, ice on on a on an orchid eventually you're going to kill the roots and right. you know this came from the states through flowers and 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 i know we when we belong to flowers canada flowers canada t- touted this uh, also but it came from uh. the states and well you can tell your customers all they have to do is put some ice cubes on there and you're all set well you know the thing is if you look at your ice cube trays, you walk into a store that's selling ice cube trays, and you've got, what, 10 different sizes, 20 different mm. sizes? So they don't specify the size. So if you've got those little tiny ones and you put one on, the plant is gonna, isn't going to get any water. Right. So actually what you want to use is room temperature water because, you know, these are living things. They want to be comfortable. Ice is not comfortable for anything tropical. Oh, I mean, even for temperate things, you don't put ice on your uh, on your uh, planters. No, so, no, but, uh, but but you and I have talked about why we think it does sort of work to a point because the ice, as it melts, provides that slow watering. So I think that's really the point. The idea is don't just dump a bunch of water on top of your orchid and walk away. You want to, it's that slow moisture um, getting in between the roots and into the media. Well, well, that's where you, in order to do that, what you, um, I guess it does seep through eventually, but I think what happens is that a lot of times that when people water, they just pour a little bit of water on top and they think that's fine. But if you you notice that orchids grow in media that really isn't like soil, so there's all these spaces. So if you just put a little bit of water on the top, then it's just going to uh, dribble through real fast and, you know, nothing's going to get wetted. But if you uh, flood the pot, that means that you pour enough water that it's, you know, the, there's water on uh, covering the media and there's water running out, then the whole pot is wet 
and once all the potting medium is wet, and once the, that drains <laughs> off, that wetness stays, and mm. it works very well. But it's, it's uh, the the big thing is to flood the pot when you water. Okay, Charlie and Terry, I'm so sorry. I do have to take a break. Um, I don't know if you want to hold on the line, Terry, but I do have to. Uh, I do have to squeeze that in now. Okay. Uh, okay. Why don't you try, Terry, staying on the line? We'll see if we have some callers. Never know. We might have an orchid question if you don't mind holding. Okay. I'll, during um, this here. next break. Okay. okay. That's great. Thanks. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back on The Garden Show. Dean Holland with you. We're here with Charlie Dobbin, and we have on the line a special guest, Terry Kennedy as well. Um, uh, we're just going to get Terry to hold on for just a second. Uh, we're hoping that people might call through with some orchid questions. I actually have one, but we've had Hazel waiting on the line for a very long time from Mississauga, so we'd like to uh, take Hazel's call. Hazel, welcome to The Garden Show. Thank you. Good morning to you both. Um, Thank you for being so patient, Hazel. My regarding my coneflower. Um, it's been growing quite well, but the problem is that the petals don't seem to be developing, and this happened a couple of years ago. Last year was fine, but I don't know what I might have done differently or what is the cause. Can you help me there, Charlie? Uh, I'd like to. Uh, okay, so the flowers aren't developing, but the center is uh, is as like a coneflower, also known as echinacea. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you may have, there's a, there is a syndrome out there. <clears throat> Aster yellows. Uh, it's a virus. There's uh, what I suggest you do because it's kind of a long story to to give the whole backstory on this. If you have a pen in your hand, write this down. There is a website. It's called Cone Flower Cleanup. Okay. So Cone Flower Cleanup. It's uh, brought to you by the Ohio State University, and what it does on that web page is it will show you photographs of what you may be experiencing. And then it will give you suggestions on what to do, uh, because there is a pro- there is a problem. There's a virus in some of the cone flowers, and unfortunately, you must destroy the plant if that's what oh, you've got no. going on. So best to best to I've just do a little a bit of research. Time. <laughs> Pardon? Okay. I said I've had the plant for a while. Of course, I know it often is that. It's often a, a very favorite plant when this happens, unfortunately, too. So do, as, that's my best suggestion is take, just take a look at that website. See if it helps you at all. If it doesn't help, then call mm. back next week and we'll see what we can come up with. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much for calling and for waiting so patiently. <laughs> um, did you, uh, we do have a caller on the line, but I have a Quick question: If Terry yeah. is available, sure. I, I actually uh, grab her while you got her. Yeah, Terry, I have a phalaenopsis. Is that the proper pronunciation? Very good. Okay. Um, and so the the blooms that it had are dry, and they're sort of still hanging there. The leaves look really, really dark green and very happy. Um, but it's maybe been neglected a little bit. I'm sure that uh, my wife has been watering it. I'm just wondering. Uh, I'm now. I'm very curious about having this thing bloom again and becoming an orcaholic, as you say. <laughs> you want to come to the show? <laughs> I do. I do. So I'm wondering what I should do and what I should look for. 
Okay, so uh, if the flowers are all finished, but you should uh, the, the the you know they're sort of uh, papery, whatever. Get rid of that. They, they okay. They're no no good to the plant. Now, is the stem still green? It is. Yeah. Okay. It's like now, a dark, okay. like a very dark forest green. I would say. Yeah. Uh, so if you look at the very tip, um, if it, at that tip is still green, you could get more flowers. Okay, so okay. it'll just take a little break, and it'll produce more flowers at the end of the, the, the stem. The okay. other thing that you can do is, um, if you look at the stem, up the stem, you'll see little bracts. And yes. if you count up maybe three bracts and cut the stem just above that at an angle, then the stem will branch at that place, uh, because those are little nodes up the branch. And okay. so it'll produce a, a side branch, it'll produce more flowers. But after gotcha. that, okay. you just keep growing because like all tropical plants, they grow all year round. So you just keep watering. Um, and actually, uh, in the fall, when um, the, the nights start getting a little cooler, you can keep it by the window and the, uh, the cool, the drop in temperature at night will actually uh, might encourage a second stem to come and, and produce even more flowers for you. Okay. So I just actually touched one of the blooms and it just fell off yeah. <laughs> because it's very papery. Yeah. But basically yeah, yeah. That, the, the last the three inches where those blooms are, the stem is a little bit woody, I think, and a little bit brown. Well, then cut it back to, uh, to, to, the, to the node and okay. see what happens. Now, if that stem, the plant knows what it wants to do with the stem. If the stem all goes woody, you know, like brown, then you can just cut it off because it's no good to the, the to the uh, plant. However, if it is still green, it can produce more flowers. So I would just leave it. Okay, great. And it does seem to be green indeed. Okay. Yes. Great. All right. Well, before we let Terry go, just remind us one more time, what date, what time can we pick up orchids from you and your gang? Yes, our gang is already waiting for all of these people that are waiting for their plants. It's <laughs> August 7th, it's Sunday, next Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. August 7th from 12 to 5 at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, of course, on, on Lawrence Avenue East. Yeah, Lawrence and Leslie. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks a bunch, Terry. Appreciate you joining us and sharing your expertise again. Yeah, it's thanks always- chatting with me there, Terry. And and, for, and to the audiences, it's great to hear all the – you're such a wealth of information. Well, well, we're hoping that things keep going up and up and we can have that yeah. show. It's actually the first one that we see on the horizon. So if everything goes well and we can get mm-hmm. our volunteers uh, and, you know, excited about it, we're going to have that show in February. So we'll see you there. Sweet. Yeah, for sure. Well, let us know and we'll have it. We'll announce it here on the show, on the, the garden show. Yes, Fabulous. I will for sure. Thanks, Terry. Okay. okay. Thanks, Terry. Have a great okay. e- uh, weekend. Bye-bye. You too. You as well. Okay, time for us to take another quick break, but uh, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back on the Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin, and Charlie, we, uh, you know what? I mean, we have a caller on the line. I'm going to give the numbers out one more time because we can probably squeeze in another one: four one six three six zero zero seven four zero, 
or uh, 1-866-740-4740 if you've got a quick question. Uh, Tom from Woodstock is on the line, and he wants to talk about tomatoes. Welcome to the Garden Show, Tom. Good morning. How are you, Dean? Good. How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Charlie? Morning. I'm well. What's going on at your place? Well, I've got tomatoes in a pot, and I think they call it blossom rot or something. It's on the bottom of the tomato, and I had one that was ripening, the first one, and it's all brown and gray color on the bottom. Um, I know Warner from Tilsonburg has given uh, the recipe numerous times for his uh, thing, but I've never written it down. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, but his recipe really works better in the ground. Um, oh. it, it's all about using an empty pot bottle, a plastic, uh, whatever it is, one liter or water bottle uh, with the bottom cut out. And then the neck of the bottle goes into the soil at the base of your tomato. And once a week, you put Epsom salts and skim milk powder and water into that water bottle where you've put the Epsom salts and the skim milk and of course it all dissolves and feeds the plant but you know you and I have the same problem blossom end rot is where you're right the bottom of the tomato fruit uh, is discolored it's usually it's black or dark brown the tomato is actually still edible if you cut that bit off uh, and the reason it happens Really, we know it, 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 we always used to say it's a calcium deficiency why that happens, but what we've learned is that it's actually got more to do with consistent watering. If tomatoes are watered consistently, so always kept at a reasonable moisture level, not too much water and not too little water, but consistent watering, you'll have less or no blossom end rot on your fruit. And that's just um, because of the, the way the calcium works and the way the cell walls work and the way the plant, the, the end of the tomato will collapse due to lack of moisture or lack of consistent moisture. Okay. So okay. So, and it's, it's harder in a pot thing. to water properly than it is in the ground. Okay. Well, I water them every morning, but, uh, you know, with this heat, then they're in pretty well full sun in the afternoon, I guess. Maybe they're yeah. drying out in the afternoons. Yeah, and that's where, and if it's a big enough pot, and I'll, did you, I, I have the same thing, big tomatoes, big pots, full sun, and I even mixed some topsoil with my potting soil to try and hold moisture in that soil and yet I'm still getting a bit of blossom end rot just on the the early tomatoes I think as we get further into the season the the next tomatoes will be fine oh okay 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 well, good luck on that Tom and yeah and everything works watering out. every morning <laughs> yeah I yeah. really enjoy your show we listen to it pretty well every week thank you fabulous yeah thanks again for the to uh, call Tom and, uh, you know, somebody took my, uh, took my uh, suggestion there. Bruno from Toronto. Going to squeeze in one more call. Bruno, welcome to the Garden Show. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Charlie. Um, I have a quick question. Uh, I have a small garden in my backyard, and I grow uh, tomatoes, beans, and cucumbers. And I've had very little luck with the cucumbers in, in the last while. Um, uh, the, the fruit is misshapen. It's, uh, you know, okay at one end, and then as it grows, it gets thin. So it's, it, uh, you know, I've had that problem with uh, different types of cucumbers, and I've read it's too much water, not enough water, too hot, too cold, uh, you know, wrong fertilizer. But um, I think it might be the uh, uh, 
fertilization, not the fertilization, but the pollination that might be an issue. Right. Yeah. And it even could be sun, right? If you, depending yeah. on how much sun, they want full sun, minimum mm-hmm. six hours of sun every day on your cucumbers and lots of great air circulation too. Okay. Uh, yeah, it might be, might be the sun. I may have to move them next year. Uh, but in terms of pollination, uh, I mean, I don't see a lot of bees in my garden anymore. Is, is that a problem or potentially a problem? Yeah, it could be. But remember, it's not just bees that pollinate. They, bees get all the credit, but oh, lots and lots of flying insects are pollinators. Uh, if you feel that, um, and remember with any of the, the squashes, the cucumbers, the zucchinis, the flowers are open at dawn, so early, early in the day, and the insects have to be visiting across the flowers in order for pollination to take place. So sometimes if we are worried we're not getting enough insect action, we will be out there and be the insect. So take a Q-tip, take a a small paintbrush, and go around as early in the morning as you can and visit each of the flowers with your paintbrush or your Q-tip, and you will be doing the pollination in case the insects aren't. Okay, Bruno, sorry, time's up. We have to go run. Thank you so, so much for your call. Charlie, I don't know if I've given you enough time to do that update. I've got uh, both on cherry tree tra- pruning. <laughs> the cherry tree question. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to make it really, really fast. We had a call last week from Trudy in St. Catharines, and she was just wondering about when and how to prune a sweet cherry tree. Now, she didn't tell me how old the tree was, how long it's been in position. We do know they get to be huge trees, so often we prune them to try and keep them as small as possible, so that's where the summer pruning comes in. But for Trudy, your best place to get your best information, OMAFRA, Ontario Ministry Agriculture Food Rural Affairs, OMAFRA, um, and you want, um, uh, uh, there's a, what's it called, like a newsletter, a fruit, uh, um, information and the number is 00005 order number 00005 pretty late sorry guys thanks thanks everybody carlos terry dean great show see everybody again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.